everybody, it is Tuesday, February 5th, 2019, and you're listening to a salvage title scrap story. As always, I'm your host, Brad Eslake, and while I'm normally here to talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever, on these uh, scrap story episodes, it's more or less just kind of discussing uh, car-related things that are on my mind at any given time. Uh, on today's episode, I did want to continue down the rabbit hole of the Chevrolet Blazer. I know I've talked about it at length on this podcast, and it is just such a perplexing vehicle. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it is because review embargoes have gone uh, up on the uh, car. So there's a lot of uh, different things being talked about uh, online uh, through publications like Car and Driver, Motor Trend, uh, Autoblog. Uh, videos have started coming out from uh, the Fastlane car, uh, Kelly Blue Book, and many others. So I just kind of wanted to condense some thoughts based on those reviews, what they're talking about, and really as much of my personal experience as I can give. You know, I've sat in them. I've sat in three different trim levels of the car. Um, There's just some weird inconsistencies that it's very strange to talk about because there are things that I really, really like about the new Blazer, and there are other things that I think are just inconceivable when you consider the fact that the average transaction price on these things are likely going to be somewhere around $50,000. So... With all that in mind, uh, this is the point, of course, where I remind you that uh, we do these podcasts twice a week. Normally on uh, Monday or Tuesday, we try to do the short episode, and then on Friday, the main show. We didn't get to a main show last week just because of the uh, polar vortex blizzard that blew through West Michigan. My work schedule got all turned upside down because of that, so apologies uh, out there to everybody who maybe missed a bigger news story uh, episode. Uh, But these things are posted for free on a wide variety of podcasting platforms, including Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so much more. So if you get a chance, make sure you hit that subscribe button, uh, share it if you enjoy what you're listening to, uh, and if they give you the chance to give the show a rating, I'd really appreciate it. It does help us get seen by more viewers, or listeners, I guess would be the technical thing. So with all that in mind, guys, uh, after the bump and a short commercial break, we will talk a bit more about the new Chevy Blazer. So as we said at the top of the show, I want to talk a little bit more about the Blazer in light of a lot of the reviews, previews, and so much more that uh, were able to go up on the internet today. Now, depending on which chosen automobile platform you read from or view from, uh, you're going to get some pretty different takes on what is good or bad about this Blazer. And I think, you know, it being a polarizing crossover is both good and bad for Chevy. Um, I think one of the more interesting takes that I had read or seen today, you know, I think it really kind of comes down to Alex on Autos and Autoblog. Um, Both of them had what I would say borderline negative reviews of the crossover, I think, altogether. Um, Autoblog was very negative in their opinion of this thing. Alex on Autos, I think, had some pretty big reservations. Uh, The headlining positive reviews, I think, were definitely from Karn Driver and Kelly Blue Book. And I think, really, for you as a buyer, it's hard to say whether or not this is a good car for you at all. You know, um, Chevy 
had a hole in their lineup as they felt. Uh, the Equinox was smaller or is smaller than the generation that it replaced. Um, it moved a little bit down market to capture some of those small to midsize uh, sedan sales um, out there. Uh, the Traverse is huge. It's nearly enough the size of a Tahoe. Uh, so Chevy felt that they needed to have a crossover that slotted in between the two. Um, what is interesting to learn from these uh, reviews today is that it does share its platform with the Cadillac XT5 and the GMC Acadia which is kind of these weird in-betweeny sized crossovers in the GM lineup. Uh, what is different with the Chevy compared to those two is that while it does share the uh, 3.6 liter V6 on higher trim models, it doesn't have the two liter turbocharged engine as an option. Uh, the Chevy does have a more sport oriented four wheel drive system, excuse me, all wheel drive system that is available. Um, it is a dual clutch torque vectoring system that can send power from one side to the other to increase the handling capability, but it's not quite the same kind of thing that Honda or Acura uses in their vehicles. Um, it's also interesting to note that that system is only available on the top trim Premier and the Sporty RS models, whereas the regular ones use a more normal, in air quotes, all-wheel drive system that sends power to the rear when slip is detected. Otherwise, it automatically uh, keeps power up at the front wheels to save on fuel, so on and so forth. Um, you know, the chassis itself has been stiffened a bit. It's got a much more firm suspension compared to the GMC Acadia. Um, it is definitely much more sporty than the Cadillac XT5. Uh, really, you know, the Chevy... They said they wanted to make it a Camaro of crossovers, and it sounds like, for the most part, they've succeeded. Now, like I said, Car Driver, one of the more positive reviews there. They really appreciated the dynamics of the vehicle. They said it handles really well. It's really responsive. Um, that it meets a lot of their sporty criteria and what they look for with what's a good or a bad car. Uh, Motor Trend seemed to indicate that they appreciated some of the sportiness in this vehicle as well. But when you get down to Alex on Autos and Autoblog, they really get concerned about ride quality and overall comfort, especially when you start getting away from the, gla or the flat glass roads of California where the press previews were being uh, done. Uh, I'm really curious to know how bad the suspension would be here in Michigan, uh, especially with our cracked, uh, creviced, horrible roads that we have, especially this time of year in the winter. Um, it doesn't sound like this would be a very comfortable place to be, even in the base trim L model with its 18-inch wheels. Uh, that is a little concerning to me as a potential crossover buyer uh, that... You know, as much as there is space and there is some usability and some practicality in this, if it's not a comfortable thing to be in every day, uh, that does hurt your chances to be able to use it. And I think it's uh, something I have to personally wrestle with a bit because as much as I would be willing to give Mazda or BMW a pass in that regard for having a rough riding crossover and a Chevy unless it's like truly a sport model, like an SS type model, I don't really think that's completely acceptable. Uh, but hey, you know, who am I to judge? Uh, another big drawback that was pointed out by a lot of the press was that the quality of materials in the vehicle is not 
great. And having seen a mid-trim level model in person and spending some time in it at the local auto show this past weekend, uh, I have to agree. It is crazy that GM is able to charge near enough $50,000 for this vehicle with the type of materials that are inside it. Now, granted, the premium and RS trims are a good bit better than the base L and the quote-unquote premium cloth uh, additions, uh, but uh, it really just isn't all that great. Um, what does concern me is that, you know, GM is notorious for having not good interiors, and, you know, it's something that American car brands across the board aren't particularly great at. Um, but this one, it, it's just such a back and forth between being well executed in terms of aesthetics and design, but being such a half-assed, poor attempt at making things that work. I, 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 I don't know where officially to land on it. Uh, things that really stand out to me in terms of what is bad is the layout of the dashboard. Um, you know, aesthetically, like I said, it, it does look very nice, um, but there are switches underneath the uh, navigation screen that, you know, at the right angle, depending on how tall you are, they kind of disappear. Uh, they're difficult to read. Um, you know, you wouldn't really be able to operate them just with touch. You would have to look down and see them. And that is a distraction as a driver. Now, you know, is it going to kill you to look down for one and a half seconds to increase the heat of your butt warmers? Probably not. But if it's something that you have to regularly do to operate other necessary functions of the vehicle, not exactly the best way to do it. I also don't think that the Camaro style uh, circle uh, vents are super straightforward to use for a lot of people. You know, again, aesthetically, they look really nice. They add a character of sportiness to this vehicle, even in the base L trim models. Um, but, you know, it's not exactly clear how the heating or cooling aspect of the center ones work. And, you know, if your partner in the car wants it cold and you want it hot, that's just a big mess that you got to deal with anyway. And I just really don't care for that overall. Uh, you know, speaking of other things in the interior that really bother me, you know, the switch gear for the windows looks like it came out of the spark. Um, it uses a lot of corporate bits for the steering wheel and indicator stocks and so on and so forth that don't really do a whole lot to add to the experience of the vehicle. Autoblog Auto straight up called out the steering wheel and said, you know, why isn't it the Camaro steering wheel if this is supposed to be the Camaro of SUVs? Um, the steering wheel itself looks like it's a GMC unit and it just doesn't seem to match the aesthetic of the interior of the car. The cloth seats that are supposedly premium, I think, are going to be really polarizing to a lot of people. Um, as much as the seats themselves are comfortable and seem like they offer a lot of space uh, to people who are traveling, uh, the material itself is kind of like this weird mix of, like, canvas and cloth, and it looks visually good from like a distance it looks good in photographs but up close it doesn't feel super nice and i really have to get worried if it's gonna wear all that well i imagine that gm has learned a lot from the past you know we're not quite at a 2002 chevy cavalier level of bad interior cloth and plastics but it just doesn't seem to be up to snuff. And again, I say this over and over again, at $50,000, I would say that these interiors, even in the premium and RS trims, are not up to standard. 
And so, you know, you kind of get down to where Alex and Otto's lands. I think he maybe has the most nuanced review of this crossover. And it's that depending on what you want out of a crossover, this is either a very good or very bad choice for you. Kelly Blue Block kind of goes on the same thing. They talk about how, uh, you know, in terms of style, this is without a doubt one of the best crossovers out there in the market today. Uh, and GM is probably going to sell an awful lot of these because of that. Um, but, you know, going back to what Alex and Otto said, it's really going to depend on what you want. You know, if you want something that's capable off-road, you need something that's going to be good in all weather conditions, you're probably going to be better suited in a Jeep Grand Cherokee or a Toyota uh, 4Runner. If you need something that's more comfortable, a little more quiet, has a little more practical usage to it, something like a uh, Hyundai uh, Santa Fe might be a much better option, or the Kia Sorento, or something along the lines of even, you know, a Ford Edge to some extent might have some more practical things to it. Uh, Autoblog specifically pointed out that for the $50,000 that you pay for an RS model with the V6, uh, you can get an Edge ST for the same price, and it's a hell of a lot faster of a car, and it kind of looks a little bit nicer in some respects, although the Edge is a little more dated in terms of chassis refinement and so much more. Uh, you know, for me, I think looking at that 3.6 liter V6 premium cloth trim edition, you know, it's an LT by any other sense of measurement. Uh, that LT that I looked at, you know, I think as configured for $40,000, it would be a crossover I could live with every single day. I don't think I would be completely ashamed of spending that kind of money. But I think you'd have to be kind of crazy to have spent that much cash on that model when you consider how much nicer the Honda, or excuse me, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, or how much more capable the Honda Passport is. Uh, I think you'd be kind of crazy to not have grabbed a Jeep for all of my problems with Fiat. Uh, the Jeep Grand Cherokee is a nice vehicle, and it is in some ways a better thing to choose, but... I, I just, I don't know where to land on this Chevy. You know, I hate the pricing on this thing. I hate the the poor quality interior stuff, but I like the aesthetics of it. I like the design of it. I like the idea behind it. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it's very tough to wrap my head around. And I'm really curious to see how more of the mainstream car review places start looking at it. I'm really curious to see what Consumer Reports starts digging into uh, with their model that they bought. Uh, it looks like they bought a mid-trim uh, 3.6 with cloth, um, but it's hard to tell in all of their videos. Um, yeah, I, it, it's weird. And also one more thing just from one of the reviews, uh, Alex on Autos specifically highlighted the fact that the prices are high very high for a lot of the trims with the equipment that it comes with. Um, and he specifically said, these are without incentives. And if he is bringing that up before the car even technically hits the streets, I mean, they're already on sale. I just saw one driving home today uh, with civilian plates on it and all that stuff. Uh, that's not a good sign to me. Like, if, if the press is already going, these are too expensive, wait for incentives. You know, GM really missed the mark with marketing this thing correctly, for getting the prices correct. Um, 
I don't know. It seems pretty crazy. You know, I, I feel like to me, you know, like I said, at $40,000 for a mid-trim model with a lot of the safety stuff ticked off and the heated seats and all that stuff, that doesn't seem particularly bad. With a three, five, or $7,000 discount, that seems a good bit better. You know, for somebody like my dad who has um, a dealer discount and a GM discount, I think it will make a lot of sense if he decided to get a Blazer at some point in time because that discount can be pretty hefty on some of these crossovers. But, I mean, at, at regular MSRP, at face value, I think you would have to be just a little crazy to spend the money on this thing, and especially when you get up to the RS and the Premier models. Um, I mean, dollars to donuts, the Jeep has got higher quality interior materials, a fully loaded Hyundai Santa Fe is going to run circles around this thing when it comes to quality, and I would take a guess and say reliability. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a big mess with this SUV, and I'm curious to see how they sell. I'm curious to see what the market says, and I'm really curious to hear what you guys have to say. If you guys have some opinions on the new Blazer, uh, drop me a line here at anchor at anchor.fm slash Y-S-S-M-A-N. I'd really like to hear from you. Alright guys, that just about wraps up this episode of the Salvage Title Scrap Story. Uh, hey, you know, you can reach out to me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Y-S-S-M-A-N and we uh, post these episodes here on anchor.fm at anchor.fm slash Y-S-S-M-A-N. We had a crazy snowstorm in West Michigan this past week. Uh, The brewery that I work at was closed for four days. It was insanity, so we did miss a Friday episode last week uh, due to due to me having to make up some time at work. So sorry about that once again, Um, but... We should be expecting a normal episode this week. Uh, if memory serves, technically this is the start of the Chicago Auto Show uh, this week. So maybe there's some news. Maybe there isn't. I haven't really heard a whole lot. Uh, Geneva is also coming pretty soon over there in Switzerland. So hopefully we'll get some interesting news stories out of that. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, keep it locked and loaded on Twitter uh, for some car-related things and other stuff. Um Just a quick note on that snowstorm and maybe, you know, the way that I generally encourage safe driving at the end of episode, uh, er, at the end of every episode, turn on your fucking lights. Uh, It seems like a a thing that you would do in inclement weather, no matter what. And I think the thing I may have realized, you know, a day or two into this process is that, you know, the sun wasn't quote unquote out and it was quote unquote bright uh, in some of these circumstances, especially with light reflecting off the white snow and all that stuff. So automatic lights may have been turned off, but you should be manually overriding your headlights in situations where, oh, I don't know, there's a whiteout blizzard. It was just insane to me how many cars weren't turning their headlights on, not using their hazard indicators. Uh, so Make sure you're doing that if you're in an inclement weather situation anytime soon. Uh, wow, it was it was nuts. It was a crazy snowstorm. If you can see videos of it online, check it out. Uh, it's easily one of the scariest drives I've ever taken in my life driving back from Holland to Grand Rapids, Michigan. So 
yeah anyway there was a point to that i don't know what it is hey we uh do uh other versions of this show by the way uh we do a thing called the salvage title car buyer's guide we definitely need to do one on these mid-size crossovers these upper and mid-size to large crossovers um i have an inkling as to what i believe to be the best option in the segment right now i did talk about that vehicle when discussing the chevy blazer um but it's an interesting segment and you know crossovers are hot right now and you know you got to parse them out one of these days so maybe we'll do an episode of that coming up in the very near future but anyway guys all that in mind uh we'll do a big normal episode on friday i'm sure we'll have some car news car culture and car whatever to talk about so until friday guys i hope you have a great week and we'll see you again real soon on the salvage title podcast